Hi, this is Tina Black, and this is the B Series Podcast. Today, we'll be exploring untold stories of transformation and leadership. We hope you'll subscribe and check out the B books and send us your stories of transformation after listening. All right, I am sitting here and I've known Josh for a few years now. His name is Josh Sabo, so welcome to the podcast it's today. Good to it's awesome to have you. Um, first of all, he's the founder and CEO of the nonprofit called The Industry, which you're going to hear a little bit more about, which really resonates with my heart in so many ways, and you'll find out here shortly. But it's a program for young adults that builds confidence, purpose, and a life plan for a successful future in the community. He's launched hundreds of young adults into their true purpose and perfect fit career. Josh could go on and on about his credentials and accomplishments, but would rather inspire people to build their own. And boy, is he ever inspirational, and you'll see here shortly. But Josh is also a family man first and a career success coach second. His passion is to help people find their full potential and make it powerful. His mission is to see the world living in their truest potential. And we'll talk more about this, but you can also learn more about the industry at learntheindustry.org. And we'll talk about this at the end of the podcast again. But Josh, I think it's so cool that you said you could go on and on about your credentials and accomplishments, but would rather inspire people to build their own. What got you to this point in your career? Tell, share your journey with us. So I've actually been in, uh, in ministry uh, most, if not my whole life, but throughout the process, I've always seen myself as someone who is helping someone get from A and get them to Z. Uh, and that's something mm -hmm. that I've found that, that God's really gifted me in. And so I you know, decided to take confidence in that and say, you know what, I could do this with the rest of my life. So throughout my life, um, you know, my parents were both educators. My brother went into education, and then I went mm. into ministry. And so I always considered myself the black sheep. Okay. Um, but my dad was a superintendent for years, de uh, decades. And so I'd come home, and I'd hear his really? frustrations with, oh, we have to remove carpentry, woodwork, wood shop out of school now. We don't have a grant for, uh, for home ec anymore, and we have to get rid of these things with economics. And... And That's so, true. Uh, yeah, so I grew wow. up with, with understanding from my father, especially how education should be done. And a lot of it should be mm. more um, Socratic, more discussion-based, more identity-based. Because you can't teach anybody anything unless they're in a group of people that you know love you and care about you. That's when your brain functions the best, mm. is when you have a good group of graceful or gracious and, and loving people. Well, okay, yeah, we need to tap into this because I'm reading this book uh, by John Maxwell. We're doing a mastermind right now. It's how to influence people, and yeah. it's so about that, and I want to dig deeper into that. But before we do this, this podcast is called the B-Series, meaning to have, do, or be more, you have to become more, and it's untold stories of leadership transformation. So I know for a fact that transformed people transform people, and right. when can you recall, Josh, because People don't just choose to go into ministry or education. There's usually something that happened in their life, whether maybe it was inspirational or maybe it was a bad situation. I don't know what happened in your life, but what's that untold story for you? Like what caused you to choose that, to choose ministry? Where did that come from? Sure. Well, um, for those Christians out there, I, I felt a true call. Um, I just, at that time, I wasn't sure if I knew what it meant. So I thought, church. 
you know, that's, mm. that's what lots of people think when they when they want to influence people in a spiritual manner. And so I spent a lot of my years in church, and I, I, I learned a lot of what the church wasn't even doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you're when you're looking at Jesus's life, he spent most of his time with twelve people, and then those twelve people in, impacted more people, and then those people. It was a movement, and that's what we. Uh, that's kind of the uh, the strategy, the system that we've put in place. You know, we only work with six or seven students per class. And so we influence them and help them find their identity, help them find their career, and they go off and tell everybody else. Mm. Right now, mm-hmm. uh, every student is bringing in at least 1.5 students, uh, according to our stats. And so it's really a big word-of-mouth movement of people becoming better and people understanding who they are, getting this great confidence and purpose. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. you can't live a good life without knowing that there's purpose for your life. Uh, whether that's even just to make money. And then you get all these people who make a lot of money and then they're still hopeless and, and, and yes. feel disappointed with their lives. And so mm-hmm. we also work with our students uh, to pick a humanitarian cause. What's the thing that makes your heart pound? You know, And uh, we help launch mm-hmm. them in that area as well because you could be making millions of dollars and still be very, very sad and disappointed with your life. But um, Yeah, that's powerful. So we do the same thing here in our Palmental schools. They rate, they've raised, you know, millions and millions of dollars for different charities and because we believe that giving is the highest level of living and yeah. it's amazing when when you sow into people's lives, you start to grow. I want to back up here because you said something really really powerful because you said for those Christians out there, basically, is what you said. And so I want to, I want to go back. Did you grow up in a Christian home? Like, like what? I, I mean, I know a lot of Christians out there that aren't doing what you're doing. You know, ministry or you know, sowing into the lives of people. But where did that actually come from? So was that just something that you heard and it just stuck? Like, what was that? What's that untold story for you of what happened to you? Sure. Yeah, my uh, my parents were really strong Christians. Um, they were a little different than your average nominal Christian. Okay. They, they would bring people into their home. Uh, they would spend time with people nice. that the church wouldn't really want to spend time with. Really? And so my brother and I, we yeah. grew up in that environment okay. uh, where we just want to love the people that need the love the most. And mm-hmm. if you find in the, in the Bible, I mean, that's what Jesus was doing. He wasn't going mm-hmm. to the highest of the high, you know, religious person. He was going to the people who, who actually needed help. And there's that scripture, you know, that talks about where, you know, Jesus, uh, I came for the, for the, for the sick and the hurting, you know, a doctor, Mm. these people who have everything already, they don't need a doctor. And so, you know, that's where, where my vision, at least for the industry started to refine. It's, we saw a huge need and what is it? 80% of students who graduate won't use their degree for its intended purpose. And they have $40,000 of school debt on average, can't go buy a house, don't settle down because they have all this debt, and they need to have a career before they get married, right? Yeah. And then they don't get married and they don't grow up because they're not looking for people who will settle down with them. Wow. Yeah. Okay, that's that's a whole other subject right. matter, and, and you're speaking you're speaking my language at this point because yeah. that's something that we hear over and over and over again with our students. Um, they'll come here. And, How'd you get in, into this? Well, my parents made me go to college, right, right. so I got that out of the way and showed them how much I hated it and how bad. Right. I can't <laughs> we tell hear you. this all the time, and like yeah. you said, hundreds of thousands of dollars wasted. Mm-hmm. What What's mm-hmm. your experience with that? Well, my experience, I had, uh, my college was paid for, but my wife's was not. Uh, her dad made her go to college 
And he even says he regret. I can't tell you how many parents have told me I regret so much forcing mm -hmm. my kid to go to college. Really? Oh, so many. Whenever I pitch this, there's at least one parent in the in the crowd who, who uh, whenever I do a presentation, who says I I totally regret forcing my kid to go to college. And uh, my kid is wow. now starting a business and now making a lot of money doing his own thing. But if he would have started doing that four years ago, he would have been way further ahead. Mm. So give uh, advice to those parents out there right now. Like, what's the what's the generation right now that's raising um, high school students right now? Because that's the parents we want to talk to, right? Right, right? So give advice to them as far as college or no college. What would what advice would you give? Right. Well, it's tough as a parent because you mm -hmm. want safety for your child. Yes. You want protection. That's that's in your nature to protect your child ever since the the, the day that that baby was conceived. Yes. And so it's very tough for a parent. Um, but the challenge that I would say to parents is let them fail now so they're not miserable the rest of their lives. Mm. Um, kind of let loose a little bit early on. Let them uh, try a business. Let them uh, go out and, and discover what they want because it's because protection is really it's really love. But if it's just protection, then it's not good for your young person. Love is also releasing that young person. Go make your own mistakes. Get your own freedom. Go do what you need to do so you can learn everything you can now so mm. you can be a successful person later. And they might even be successful with their first try. You know, They might go out and start a nonprofit and be very, very successful. But yeah. we'll never, ever know. Yeah. If they're playing it safe. I love that you're saying that. Uh, Wynn Claybaugh, who's the dean of the Palm Mental Schools, he has a daughter, Sophia, and she's very young. She's five, six years old, yeah. and she started a nonprofit. Yeah. <laughs> and so he, he put her like on social media yeah. and had yeah. her speaking. He has her up on stage. <laughs> and like, could you imagine what she's going to do? She's a child prodigy. <laughs> you could start it the minute they start talking. That's right. Like, start a nonprofit. Start mm -hmm. some lemonade stands are yeah. awesome. I saw two little kids the other day. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that. That's so powerful. So how old are your children? Seven and three. Seven and mm -hmm. three. Okay, so let's talk from personal experience. What have you done with your kids so far as far as letting them fail? Like, right. let's give some practical right. advice here because well, I'm a grandma and I'm sure. freaking out. My grandson's four months old. I don't want him to fail. Right. <laughs> I don't want him to get hurt. Right. Give me advice. Well, I tell young people all the time, while you're living at home without any overhead, you're living at home for free. You're doing these things for free. Before you even go into college, mm -hmm. start an online business. Okay. Start doing these things so that your your parents can also see, hey, this is safe. They, they're not going to be kicked out of their, their rental. They're not going to be you know, ruining their lives. But while they're home, yeah. let like encourage them to start businesses. So when Scarlett was five, uh, Scarlett's my seven-year-old now. When she was five, she started making these bracelets. Mm. And then she, uh, she was outside and she started making signs for cars driving by, hey, come get your bracelet. And we started teaching her about entrepreneurship and, and wow. uh, going and getting getting the money that you need to do to get mm -hmm. to live the life that you want to live, even at five years old. Yeah. And so she was even writing on these signs and everything was misspelled, but it was adorable. <laughs> so, so she went out and then That's she, even better. You're right. like, keep, keep that. We'll just right. say this. People will stop. <laughs> right. And, well, and then she even uh, she well. started thinking, oh man, I bet I could give this money to somebody who needs the money. Because we always teach uh you know at christmas time we give five toys away to somebody who needs toys to get one in return yeah. so we're always teaching our kids to give and to give and to and to yeah. uh, and my daughter scarlett has just has a big heart even last night she came to us crying mm -hmm. because uh, our youngest was bothering her when they were trying to trying to sleep and she came to us <laughs> and uh, and she's so young i don't have to ask her permission to tell this story she came and she was crying she goes 
I just have these rude things in my head that I want to tell her, and I just I'm so scared that this is in my oh, heart. <laughs> I'm so, so scared this is in my yeah, heart, man. So we if got, we could all be like right. that. <laughs> That's beautiful. Well, we taught her, hey, we just, this is normal. Mm. You're a normal person. You're yeah. a normal human being, and that's totally fine. And her face just went from anguish to relax because she realized that she was normal. But uh, So we want to teach her how to make her own life happen. Mm. Um, in the future, we don't ever want to have to force her into college because mm-hmm. uh, we, we think that she's going to be having, we think that uh, she'll have her own online businesses by the time she's 13. Yeah. You know, what, a, what an opportunity. If you do it the right way at 13, you're going to be able to pay for college in cash and have financial freedom to go do whatever you want to do. Wow. Isn't that kind of the goal That's for everybody? Brilliant. Yeah. That's really smart. I love I love this whole concept of what you're sharing, and I really think it goes along with what my husband and I were writing a book, Be Married, Leadership Starts at mm. Home. And so you're like, you're already showing that you're doing this at home, even though you have this successful business right, right. now, which I think is really cool. We're going to jump into that here shortly. But um, when you talk about online business give some ideas some practical ideas of what an online business could be sure um if you're someone who uh, loves design pick a pick a t-shirt um pick out a a brand that you really like um you can start a, a social influencing um media social media and just learn it our line for the industry is google it yeah if you have a question google it mm-hmm. all the information you need is out there and so we're also yeah. teaching people independence um, so a, there's a thing called affiliate marketing and anybody okay. and everybody can do this. Essentially you are, you are a salesperson for an organization and everybody can sign up to be an Amazon affiliate right now. And if you, do you want some more details on how that works? Yeah, this is so, awesome. I have heard of this and I believe I am signed up. Do I use it? Not sure. Right. <laughs> so teach me. <laughs> right. So the big part is you want to find a niche. You want to find something okay. that not many people are into. Uh, my buddy uh, found a niche for uh, mortgage companies. So he draw he he uh, online he markets for uh, for people who will need a mortgage, and then he realized mm. how many people were doing it. And so he made his niche even smaller or niche. I call it niche. Yeah. Because everybody's. <laughs> yeah. How do you say it? <laughs> <laughs> and he started a he re, he defined and and, uh, and um, uh, his his market as veteran mortgages. And so he started marketing nice. veteran mortgages, and he's doing very well. So they just moved down to, I think, South Carolina because they can. They just picked up their family, and after vacation, like, hey, well, let's just go ahead and just live down here. You know, our rent's yeah. down up here. Our lease is over. And so when you have an online business, that creates incredible, incredible freedom. And I think that yeah. every young person, Mobility. especially in high school, mm. should be starting their own online businesses now. And I love that you said Google it. I was just rich listening. I don't know if you know Rachel Hollis, but she was oh, speaking yeah. with John C. Maxwell, and mm-hmm. she said we have this incredible website out there that you can use to help do anything. She said, I am not self-made, but I am self-taught. And right. she said, the website is called Google. Right. <laughs> and I do the same thing. Anytime I'm looking up something and I'm writing an article, I'll just pinpoint a few words and I get some really cool ideas and these mm-hmm. concepts come into my head mm-hmm. and really help me to grow my business. So um, we'll go back to the Amazon affiliate. So how do you um, utilize that and what can you do with that? Like how sure. do you make that happen? Sure. So you'd sign up for Amazon 
Okay. Um, they actually call theirs Amazon Associates. Okay. And so if you were to uh, start um, selling a certain item, okay, uh, you would uh, build around that niche, niche, niche. Yes. And then you would start doing online marketing, which is a okay. huge education. Sales, online sales and marketing, there is so much out there online to learn how to do this the best way. So you mm-hmm. you bring traffic to your site, uh, your YouTube channel, your WordPress site. Okay. And with Amazon, you can pick any item you want. And then you uh, click on that item underneath your Amazon Associates uh, mm-hmm. um, profile, and they'll generate a unique uh, link for you, so that anybody who clicks on that link will go to that item, and if they purchase it, you get six percent, seven percent on that item. So okay. if you're if you're generating two, three thousand people to your site, and uh, what I forget what it is now, but it's like ten percent of people will actually click the link. And 20% will actually buy something. I, again, I don't remember the exact numbers, but uh, but it's a great Interesting. way. Interesting. So, so is this something you teach in your course? Yes. Okay. Uh, I think most... I need to take your course. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody needs to, And your course is how much to take your course? Um, how long is your program? The, the program is three months. And it's mm-hmm. uh, right now we want to keep it, uh, we want to keep it parallel. We want to look at it as... Uh, as much as uh, your local community college would be for a semester. Okay. Uh, so right now it's fifteen hundred dollars. Fifteen hundred. Wow, that's right. nothing. That's, that's what we powerful. think. <laughs> yeah. It, it's still tough for a lot of people to make that. Yeah. So we put together an enormous amount of ways that you can actually get the program for free. Uh, it's a three hundred dollar down payment, twenty percent. And if you finish the program, then you get that three hundred dollars back. Mm-hmm. So the program is really only twelve hundred dollars. Uh, we've set up a monthly payment program. Mm-hmm. There are scholarships available. You know, if you're living at home or living by yourself and you're only making $15,000, you're in a bracket, you're going to get 40% off the program. Um, wow. so we, and then it's, we're a nonprofit. That's, that's you can go raise all your own money. We had a young person raise, oh, what was it, $1,000 for his program just by going from business to business saying, hey, support me. And uh, so Incredible. we had a couple. Yeah. So Why did you become a nonprofit instead of a for-profit school? The what main thing, purpose? yeah, the main thing was we wanted the city to know that we were here for the city. Okay. Um, there are an, mm-hmm. an enormous amount of opportunities out there for people who have money. And there are enormous amount of opportunities out there for people who don't necessarily have money. Yeah. So we're trying to find that, that group of people who, uh, who might have enough money to do this. But uh, the group that... that that doesn't necessarily have all those opportunities. So this program will really help guide people what colleges they should go to as well. Like what's Mm -hmm. your next step? Because I feel people are just so confused and and, you know, in high school I was too. And I thought, well, you know, I really liked wearing braces, you know, that (laughs) changed my life. So I ended up in the dentistry, you know, but then years later I, you know, I'm in this business, the beauty industry, Mm -hmm. which is completely almost completely different (laughs) so so, but but I just think that's so cool because people are just wandering and I was just coaching a 50 some year old lady and she said she left her career and she feels completely lost my husband just retired from his law practice and Mm -hmm. he's like what's my next step like what do I do you know I don't even know what I'm purposed to do right Right, now and I know so many people they call it going through a midlife crisis Mm -hmm. you know and so how do you avoid that midlife crisis. Give some advice right now as a coach. Well, it's a purpose crisis. Purpose crisis. Because it's not happening in just middle-aged people. Okay. Uh, I had a young How do you avoid the purpose crisis? Well, you find out, one, who you are. Okay. You find out who you are. Identity is huge. And how do you find out who you are? Well, I start with, um, and there's a lot of of controversy, not controversy, but uh, I start with the Myers-Briggs personality profile. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, if you go to our I web- love that. Yeah, if you mm-hmm. go to our website, you can find more information on how to get to that. And, yes. And it's just so simple. Uh, I've had people who thought they were extreme bipolar, but when they read their personality type, oh. it said, your personality will have very high highs and very low lows. And so they realized, man, Stop. maybe this isn't a mental a mental disorder. Maybe so this is people just how were made. actually diagnosed with bipolar, mm-hmm. but they had a personality of very high highs. Right. We'll talk about that personality because I feel in the beauty industry in particular that we're around people that are real creative types that high right. highs, high mm-hmm. lows. Talk about that. Explain that more. Well, I think I would have been diagnosed when I was a kid. Yeah. I mean, I, I had very high highs, very low lows, very depressed, and then very, very uh, just ecstatic. Just constant mm. mood changes and shifts. Uh, but my mom kind of rescued me and, and got me on the... She you know took the personality profile for me because she knew who I was. You know, She raised me. Wow. And she said, Josh, this is who you are. Your personality says that you're, you're an ENFP on the Myers-Briggs scale. That means extroverted, intuitive feelings and and, uh, mm-hmm. and perceiving, right? And so we go into it uh, deeper and it says, you know, you have very high highs and very low lows. And so my dad was actually very, uh, very beneficial to me because he was just very even keeled all the time. That was just his personality. Mm-hmm. And so he said, uh, Josh, it's just time to make your highs a little lower and your lows a little higher. And we're just going to try to round you off. So instead of, you know, medication and just kind of covering it up. I'm not saying if you have bipolar, yeah. you need to be on medication, yeah. you know. At least for a little while until you start getting a getting a grip on yourself. Um, Whoa! Okay, this is this is an untold story of leadership transformation. I think we finally tapped into it. And I was trying to get there because here you already had. Now talk to those kids that don't have parents as amazing mm, as your parents because right. there is like kids of single parent homes. There's so many tragedies out there, and and I talk to so many of my students. They don't have that support right. that you're giving them, and I'm all about personality profiling. Right. And you know now now that I'm a DISC trainer, D-I-S-C, yep. mm-hmm. and I love Myers-Briggs, we use that as well. Um, so talk about that process because what could someone do to help themselves through this process? Right. So let's say you don't have support from your family or friends mm-hmm. or you have a group of friends that are even getting you into drugs and you have nothing. You actually have a leg up on everybody else who has a better life than you do. Mm. If you have the right mindset and you say, I'm going to make all of this make me amazing. Mm-hmm. Look at most successful people. They actually did a, a study that, I don't, I don't know what it was, 60-70% of the successful people had some kind of mental disorder that they had to overcome. Yes. No family, no support mm-hmm. that they had to overcome because people who don't have the support have an opportunity to become stronger in themselves if they allow it. Yeah, that's powerful. I was 16 when I was struggling with, with mine, but I never brought... So I had great parents. Mm-hmm. I was had too much shame and too much pride right. to even bring it to my parents, sure, you know, attention. Sure. I didn't start talking about it until years later, and I realized that was the same thing with my DISC profiling. Mm-hmm. I realized that this is what I struggle with, part of my weaknesses. But mm-hmm. like what your dad said, and I think that's so important. Let's go back to that because, you know, you lean into your strengths, but let's work on your weaknesses. Right. Talk through that process for you. Like, give real life example for you. Well, I think it was even worse for me because I always wanted to to work on my weaknesses all the time. Got it. I mean, I was yes. focused on those weaknesses with my whole life. Whatever you focus on, it grows. Yeah, that's exactly right. Okay. Yeah, you feed the sumo wrestler, he gets bigger. And if the sumo wrestler is a bad one, you're okay. going to get dominated. <laughs> wow. Okay. So how do you balance the two then? What did right. you do? You have to make a hard decision to focus on your, your strengths. Okay. You so know, talk. You, what are your strengths? Uh, people. 
I just yeah. love people. I love talking to people. Um, I'd say one of my, my biggest strengths is uh, just to be able to naturally let people open up. Um, mm -hmm. I've had dozens of people, and I, this isn't bragging. This is just something. Yeah. I call them superpowers. Everybody has a Ooh, superpower. I like you gotta that use you said that. Right. It's every your time I right every time okay. I assemble a new semester at the industry, I feel like I'm assembling the Avengers. You know, yeah. it's so fun. So what's your superpower? What's your superpower? And talk about it as much as you can. Right. You know, without with humility and that's pride. Right. And I that's talk to that person because I, a woman in particular, I think we're um, and maybe it's men too. I don't know, but I know for me, we're kind of taught like just you know you should be seen but not heard. Like oh, step yeah. back and not speak about your successes. Mm -hmm. Don't speak about how your strengths, right? right? And so talk through that process of like how do you do that? How do you speak identity into your life? Because I feel like this is part of your identity because right. it's your personality strength. Right. right? Mm -hmm. So talk about that. How do you so, do it? Practical example. Especially if you were raised in the religious realm, you're mm -hmm. raised to, to kind of be shamed in a yes. sense. You're not allowed to talk about your, your, the great things that you're doing. And if you do do great things, you just have to immediately give glory to God. I wouldn't want my kids mm -hmm. to do that. Yeah. I want my kids to be proud of themselves. And he set up mm. the family unit to look like him and us. Yeah. That's Why do you think the religious is. community started that and still does that? Like quite often you see that. in. I many. call it false humility. False we humility. We want to be humble, but yeah. pride is, is thinking about yourself too much in a negative and a positive sense. Yeah. And so for instance, if I'm good at something, I want everybody to know because I want to give that gift to somebody. Yeah. That's humility. Mm -hmm. So I always use the illustration, and it's a stupid illustration, but I love cutting down trees. And so mm -hmm. I got this huge Husqvarna um, chainsaw. And so I always just, I, I pitch this as, let's say you have the biggest and the most effective chainsaw in the world. And you keep it a secret. And everybody's having problems with these trees and these roots are growing under the house, ruining their foundation. And you just keep it a secret. That's mm. like wasting your superpower. You, know, you need to tell everybody, I yes. have this great chainsaw and I'm going to come and I'm going to cut down your trees and fix your house. Wow. Stop wasting your superpower. Exactly. <laughs> Period. Exactly. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. So talk more about through this identity um, purpose crisis, you know, finding your identity you started with a personality type. What else do you do? Um, yeah, then we go through a passions assessment. It's a simple assessment. And I, mm -hmm. you know, every time we give one of these assessments, I always say, and all my students hate it by now, but uh, it's this could just be a piece of paper to you or it could change your life forever. Wow. And so they come into these things. We've all filled out papers. We've all done mm -hmm. assessments, you know, and oh, I did this piece of paper and then you just kind of forget about it. Or you could decide to let it change your life forever. So mm -hmm. we go through a passions assessment. We had a young lady whose passion was uh, doing runway modeling. In the whole class, we had no idea that she even did it. Stop. Yeah, so she. Wow. Uh, the, one of the questions was, what's, uh, what's the time in your life where you had the greatest runner's high? You know, this, this peak of, of I'm proud of myself and I'm empowered. And so she said, right before I, get on, I got on the runway. Hmm. And so she took that with her passion for helping young women not kill themselves and to stop cutting and to, and to love themselves. And oh she put gosh. together a nonprofit that she's going to wow. be launching here. Uh, that's going to give opportunities for women and men wow. to uh, to have their moment to shine on the runway. And tag mm -hmm. it along with that is a lot of coaching, a lot of self-love coaching, a lot of purpose coaching. Talk about this self-love coaching. I, I love this concept. Right. What well, is that? Loving yourself in the appropriate way is humility. 
Yeah. Humility is knowing Loving who you are. Loving yourself in an appropriate way. Is, How do you love humility? yourself in an appropriate way? You find your strengths and your weaknesses. Okay. You acknowledge them, and then you love your weaknesses and you love your strengths. Wow. Weaknesses. How do you do that? <laughs> Give me a weakness that you have. How did you still fall in love with that? Well, one of my one of my strengths is I love helping people, and I love mm-hmm. people. The weakness to that strength mm-hmm. is I'm a people pleaser. Oh, and I can it. let I, I grew up letting people okay. run all over me. So I acknowledged that that was a problem of mine. And I said, you know what? I love that piece of me anyways because I do. I do mm. want to please people. But when it was negative, I had to work into those, right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, there's a, a good way to please people and there's a bad way to please people. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I was actually just coaching uh, one of our learning leaders on that because... The, the fact was she's a people pleaser too, right. which we have this a lot in our in our um, industry, of course. And uh, and so the challenge was, is that she, the student, he didn't want to take a, um, it was actually a client that um, is physically challenged. He didn't mm-hmm. want to take this um, person because it triggered for him a death of a family member wow. that died of this and so um so she's like it's okay you know don't do it but yeah. i said but wouldn't it have been so cool if you could have just pulled him aside and did that client with him right or paired him up with another student because then he'd be like kind of like that woman that got on stage you know right. and modeling like all of a mm-hmm. sudden he'd be like okay it's a weakness but let's turn it into a strength like let's right. just be there yep. and so she's like yeah i didn't even think about that right so how did you do it for you to kind of shift that process, that mentality of people right. pleasing. The next huge step, it goes from identity, purpose, mm-hmm. then vision. Yeah. When I have a strong vision, if someone is going to pressure me into uh, compromising my vision for the world, mm. then I can tell them no. Because I have a bigger picture of what I need to be doing and who else I can change. If this one person is going to try to control me because they know I'm really nice. Uh, I can look at the big picture and say, but this one decision is going to ruin it for 20 other people. Mm. So the big picture mm-hmm. vision it helps helps uh, to eliminate or at least um, limit our, our weaknesses in that way. You know, there's a, there's a lot on um, about the six human needs, right? And if these six human mm. needs aren't met, um, then you will be dissatisfied. And a few of those that really stood out to me were significance. You've mm. got to find significance somewhere in a healthy way. You see a lot of people finding significance in unhealthy ways by being in a yeah. bad relationship. Oh, he loves me or she loves me. You know, I'll just stay in this relationship. Yeah, trying to fix people, right? That too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's part of the people pleasing thing, mm-hmm. trying to fix and change people like they need me. Yeah. Purpose gives you healthy significance. Uh, my purpose and my vision is I'm going to save the lives of a thousand people in the next 10 years, right? That's a wild thing. But yeah. But if someone over here is, is trying to keep you from doing that, you can, you can much easier eliminate that person's influence in your life because you know you have a bigger vision for the future. My wife and I went mm. through eight of the top ten most stressful things that a human being can go through. And we went through all of them in our first six, to, uh, six months to one year of our marriage. Wow. But our vision okay. was, I can't wait till we're in our 80s and we're still holding hands down by the river. Mm. And when you have a vision that big and that, that strong... When you have little fights in your marriage, they can be done with and, and easily handled because you both have this picture, I'm going to be this someday. And all these little things are helping us to get there. 
I love that you said that we both have this vision. And so talk to uh, the married couples, our future married couples out there mm -hmm. about how to form that that theme together, if you will, that big picture vision. Like give sure. us some practical advice. Well, my wife and I, uh, we, we've kind of, we found each other and we were best friends. Mm -hmm. And I always say, marry your best friend because when you get yeah. in a fight, your best friend and you always come together. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people are getting married on emotion, things like that. But we got yes. married on vision. We got married on mm. uh, our passions, um, our vision for our own uh, our own selves. I mean, what if my vision was to travel the world and her vision was I just want to stay at home with my family, right? Yeah. That wouldn't work out. Yeah. Uh, but her vision is to see me um, as successful as I can be. And my vision for her is to be as successful as she can be mm -hmm. in what she wants to be doing. Right. And I think the number one need is for people to feel loved and appreciated. You mentioned right. that earlier. That's right. the number one human need. We mm -hmm. have to have that. And mm -hmm. people will leave, a, they will quit people, not companies. Right. And I believe the number one reason is because they feel underappreciated. Sure, absolutely. Talk to that business owner. Well, as business owners, you want to make a lot of money. Yeah. So you've got to you give your employees to. what they what they need in order to help mm -hmm. you make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So one of the big things that I, that I coach businesses on with millennials is in particular, right okay. now in, in Port Huron, uh, the average uh, stay at a job for a millennial is three months. Average stay mm -hmm. is three months. And that turnover is expensive and frustrating. Three months. Why do you think mm -hmm. that is? Uh, just like you mentioned earlier, I don't think they feel appreciated and I don't mm -hmm. think they have the purpose at that job that they want to have. Okay. Uh, millennials... Um, according to a study, I don't know what it was, I don't remember, but uh, millennials have started more nonprofits in America than ever in history, than any other generation. Mm -hmm. Millennials want to know that what they're doing is making an impact in the world. Okay. So we're starting, uh, we're, we're helping uh, coach other, other businesses on how to handle their millennials. We'll give them a purpose. You know, if you, uh, if you make this much in production, we'll donate $1,000 to this uh, child abuse center or... Mm. Um, help them give them a picture of where they could be again vision is everything for millennials okay. where are you going to be in five years and this is how we can help you get there just like you do with your with your employees here yeah um, how do you keep young people passionate right uh, you give them a vision yeah why so, do you think business owners aren't doing this is it just they're not educated because I all I hear is complaints you know like yes. something's wrong with these millennials yep. <laughs> I uh, had a text from somebody the other day she said do you coach uh, businesses about millennials and I'm like I wanted to text back and say you mean people you're right <laughs> <laughs> like really right, you know right. but I didn't I just said yes sure you know, sure to be kind yeah. but but I mean millennials are running my companies mm -hmm. you know yeah <laughs> so, right so they're people you yeah. know and so talk through that process what do you think the challenge is right now with business owners right well even outside of business owners I think people are just complaining about millennials yeah the big thing about what, what they're saying about millennials is that they're lazy yes well we know that the root the true root of laziness is fear okay if I get off my couch and stop playing these video games and go get a job or or apply for a job will they reject me they need to be, young adults need to be empowered, okay. meaning sometimes they might need someone to walk beside them for a little while, which would be totally worth it for a business owner yes. to walk beside somebody, empower them every day, mm. come in with encouragement. Yes. Encouragement means to give somebody courage. 
Wow. If someone has courage, they can face fear, they can face problems, and they can face issues. But if they don't have it in themselves, it's easy to give somebody something, right? Yeah. So as a business owner, come up to your millennial and say, hey man, I totally see you in the next four or five years being this kind of a person. I'm pumped about it. I know you messed this thing up over here. And so mm-hmm. here's how you should do it differently. But once you start getting that, I can see you running the running the robotics, right? Yeah. Um, sandwich your discipline and sandwich your, your directive in between two compliments, in between yeah. encouragement and vision. Yeah. And, uh, and you'll see these millennials just start taking off. Another Agreed. big thing with millennials is that we're not necessarily nine to five kind of people. Uh, a lot of big companies are realizing that millennials work best from nine a or nine p.m. to two a.m. Mm. Why wouldn't you allow someone, your best employees, to work when they are functioning the best? Because yeah. not everybody needs to be. And millennials, in particular, they don't want to be locked down. Give your millennial freedom, but make sure that they have guidance. Ooh, give um, the millennial freedom, but make sure they have guidance. That is powerful right. because that that's kind of, I want to be flexible with my staff and to right. be able to give them an opportunity to kind of set their own schedule, right? Right. right? And so as I talk about, this is in particular in my schools right now, mm-hmm. and especially my salary paid employees, you know, right. and but give them guidance. So talk what that is. What is guidance to you? Oh, well, like I said earlier, it's just walking alongside of them for a little while. Yeah. I mean, uh, showing them showing the way. Them. Like, this right. is your job description. This right. is how you become successful with mm-hmm. this portion. We use scorecards. Right. And so we'll sit down with our directors and show them. So, this is the goal that we need to hit. Mm-hmm. And this is your actual. So, they actually fill those scorecards out. So, they know right. their performance at all times. Right. And so, they know, like, how much time they need to put in and how yeah. much they can back off. Right. right. Into it because we got to hit those numbers, you yes. know, be solution oriented. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, in fact, today when we were coaching um, one of our directors today, you know, always be solution oriented. I sometimes mm. I, I uh, get against the wall because I hear, oh, I tried everything. And so talk through that process. Like, how do you avoid saying I tried everything? Like, sure. how do you avoid that? Do you well, think it's fear that causes people to say that? Like, where does that come from? Yeah, because if you have these excuses, you think everyone's just going to let you off the hook. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then you're fine and then you're free again. Wow. Yeah. That's, and that's where millennials need to start bucking up a little bit. Yeah. Um, and, and try to find that support. Mm-hmm. You know, like, hey, I, I need a little encouragement because that courage will give me energy and that energy will help me push through this problem. What, what causes people to not search for mentors and coaches to help them along the way? Because in our companies, we, we're a franchise, so there's so many people out mm. there that are actually hitting those goals. But right. then I, I, I run across the, um, like, oh, I'm too afraid to kind right. of reach out. What do you think causes, you know, that challenge for people? Well, millennials have been told for most of their lives that they're lazy and frustrating and blah, blah, blah. Why would these people reach out to a generation older? You move towards what you focus on. Well, why would they reach out to somebody who's older who might could be a mentor if they just think that they're going to be slaughtered? Ooh, I agree. I 100% agree. Like, who wants to be around a discourager? I don't. Yep, right. You know. Mm -hmm. You know, this is so big, and and I want to... I want to jump to, before we end this out, because this just hit me, is I want to jump to what causes people or how can we cause people to think higher thoughts, to have bigger visions for their Mm -hmm. lives? Because I believe a lot of people play too small. And so, you know, in in my life and, you know, let's just talk about St. Clair County here. Mm -hmm. And and I know it's like one of the highest um, drug infested 
uh, communities. I, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know if it's generational. I don't. I mean, obviously, it's an addiction. There's a right. serious challenge right. here. But how can we avoid the pitfalls of thinking small? And then, how can we cause ourselves to think bigger for right. our lives? Right. What's your thoughts? I think you have to practice it. Okay. I grew up. It's natural for me to think big. I was mm-hmm. six, seven years old when I decided I'm going to change the world. Yeah. You know, for me yeah. it was natural, but for a lot of other personality types who, who see more details, it's hard for them to see five years down the line because they're stressed about the next day and what they need to do to, in order to get there. Yeah, that's so very true. It's a, I call it the C types, you know, right. they're very yep. critical and mm-hmm. very cautious and just want to move real slow. They're a strategist, you mm-hmm. know, I'm already, you and I are probably somewhere ready, fire, aim, and right. some people are just aim, 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 aim. We're probably high eyes on the disc. Yes, I'm very high eye. <laughs> yes. And so talk about that uh, process. How do you avoid that so that you can think bigger? First, you have to look through these are the negative thoughts that I have every single day. Okay. It's all mindset. So we, you need to you need to uh, figure out what are your negative thoughts mm-hmm. and how do you yeah. get rid of them? And so, write them down. Write them uh, down. We had a young adult who said, I'm never going to have kids. And I said, okay. why? And he said, because my dad was too good of a dad and I'll never, I'll never make it up to that. Mm. I said, buddy, this one negative thought is keeping yeah. you from having kids someday. So one of the things that we, we teach is all mindset. It's all what's yeah. in your head and getting that stuff out. And so I, I said, this one thought is literally stealing your children away from you in the future. Whoa. And so we have to treat negative thoughts like that. We have to treat negative thoughts as a person who's coming into our house trying to take our stuff, trying to take our, well, it sounds terrible, but this is how drastic it is, trying to take our kids. Well, treat our negative thoughts as someone coming in trying to steal our yeah. kids. It's time to get aggressive. That's a great quote. Time get, to get aggressive. aggressive get aggressive negative thoughts. Against your negative thoughts. Because what you believe about yourself mm-hmm. is how you're going to feel about yourself. And how mm-hmm. you feel about yourself is how you're going to act. Okay. Mm-hmm. So talk practically how to, how to think positive thoughts. How do you negate those sure. negative? Uh, it's a lot of practice. Practice. Um, it takes uh, 21. What do you do? Give me, um, give so me some I have in my, in my phone, I have at 3 o'clock every day on mm. my calendar, I have uh, self-talk. Okay. And the uh, and Superman pose. Uh, <laughs> you probably heard Wonder of the Woman Superman. pose. Yep, that's I got it. the Wonder that's Woman. A, it's probably the same thing. <laughs> yep. Go go to the bathroom in the I stall and stand there with your chest out, your mm-hmm. arms strong, and you will start to literally feel your brain sending endorphins through your body. Yes. And you can't tell me that you won't act a little bit more powerful after you do that. You to do it. We Ooh. had a young lady who was suicidal, and wow. she had tried many times. Well, a few times, uh, but she was somehow miraculously found before she was dead wow. and uh, so the, the the thing to make it a habit is she posted on her mirror i'm a powerful woman wow. every day she would look yeah. at that until she could feel it yeah. a lot of people will quit i'm a powerful man oh, i'm not a powerful man look at my life Don't i just quit. can't believe that yeah. you say it until you believe it and say you, it until you believe it yeah okay. and then you believe it when you start to feel it and then the next day when you're sad again and feeling mopey Go back and say it again until your brain has absorbed it. Yeah. So if someone wants to book you as a speaker into their business or organization, can they do that? And if so, how do they do that? How do they get a hold of you? You can call at uh, 810-447-0567 or email joshmsabo at gmail.com. That's Josh M for Martin. Yes, I made it public. Mm -hmm. My middle name, joshmsabo at gmail.com. Yeah. I love or you that. can look us up on our website, learntheindustry.org. Yeah. yeah, so all your information is on there, too. Right, learntheindustry.org. Right. This is absolutely 
powerful. I cannot thank you enough for being on this podcast. Any last words of wisdom or inspiration that you want to give sure. people listening to this? Well, I'll tell you my line. What if, uh, just imagine with me right now, if the world was living in its full potential. I mean, would hunger exist? No. Would all these negative things in the world exist if every single person was living in their fullest potential? What would the world look like? And I'd just leave you with that. Yeah. Have fun today. Yeah, period. <laughs> Thank you so much, <laughs> Josh. You You're amazing. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to send us your stories of transformation through www.tinablack.net. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to give it a rating and subscribe. See you next time.